This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T-Bone Turner from The Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. It's really, really not that good. It's time once again for another riveting edition of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. We are at 1500 Buck Slayer Place right in the Bucketorium. I'm Steve. Kurt is in the studio. Kurt, what's up? Thanks for having me over. Hey, man. It's your house. Got to invite you somehow. <laughs> Eric. Good morning. It is not morning. Well, maybe in Sherrard it is because uh, maybe Podcast some people land, are, it could be yeah. anytime it wants. Yeah, that's good. Hey, for all those of you who are just waking up, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if, shade for foot. Wipe, wipe the crust out your eyes. Yeah, it's a, it's a lovely morning to listen to some great bow hunting podcast tips and uh tricks and all the trade secrets right here on the working class bow hunter podcast good morning to all we could have a morning show wow man that would be awesome you did that pretty good i know i do man i got a knack for it you know what i got a knack for man tell me uh i love doing podcasts and Mm -hmm. i've got a knack for it but i could not do it without the wonderful folks at elite archery that's right elite archery Elite archery from the tempo to whatever option you're going to shoot. And I love that because I fall into that pun. And yeah. It's like, well, there's so many options, and, but I'm not really. Did you? Is that like an air quote thing you just did there? Pretty options. much, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Option six, option seven, tempo. 
We all know what that's about, don't we, fellas? Oh yeah, we do. We do yeah. know what that's about. You it's know glorious. what else? You know what? Uh, you know what? I'm not about. I'm not about stinking. And you want to know how I'm going to get? <laughs> <laughs> well, you always stink. Pro- so. Yeah, I love how professional this went. Uh, we're also brought to you by Scent Crusher. If you want to eliminate odors, like eliminate the stinkiness, come on, guys. Did you really think we were selling out on you? Uh, we're, we're real right here. Scent Crusher. ScentCrusher.com. ScentCrusher.com. Eliminating all odors. You need to get you a, a tote. You need to get one of the, the hunter cl- the, the closets. I always want to call them the hunter closets, but you can use it for so much more. That's what they are called. That's, I, wh- that's why you feel like calling it that. I know. <laughs> that's but, what it's called. But it's so much more, you know? Like, you wouldn't just call a multi-tool a knife. Now, would you? Technically, you could. Yeah, yeah you could. Yeah. But the cool thing is you can put your bow in there. You can put your elite bow, whatever bow you shoot you in there. You can put anything in there. Yes, you could. Well, that's the thing. Like, that's a, an overlooked idea of where you got it. Well, normally, I sprayed that scent killer spray on my bow, and it leaves that white residue, crappy residue yeah. all over it. I'm yep. like, oh, my God, what is this? My finish is messing up. Absolutely. But, yeah, absolutely no residue when it comes to uh, the scent crusher. You use uh, ozone technology. It's science. You can't argue with science. Well, you could, but then you would think that the earth is actually round. So moving on. The, the podcast is also brought to you by HHA Sports and uh, good old Wisconsin, USA. Wisconsin. Um, yep. They have, yep. I mean, they're the leader in the single pin sites, uh, backed by a lifetime warranty uh, made in America from the single pin. Whatever site you choose, there's a variety to fit your application. Now a three pin. Yep. Yes. Also multi pin and the Virtus drop away rest. Virtus twenty two, wonderful. Uh, and they're they're coming check out, out the, big things this year. Yes, they are, man. I'm I'm very proud of what uh, what those cats are doing over there. HHA, go check them out. HHAsports.com. See our good friend Scott Bakken. He's our uh, come to be really good friends with Scott. Really he's, good uh, friends. We enjoy that 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 fellow. That fella. And he's really good looking. Yeah, bud. Oh, he's a good looking bud. He is a beautiful man. He is. Speaking of good looking Scotts. Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing. Scott, uh, due for an episode, I would say, here pretty soon. Maybe we've already done one. Maybe we haven't. Nobody knows. It's Nobody pod- knows. It's podcast. It's Anything can happen. He might be listening to this on Shuffle, but... Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing.com. <laughs> Beautiful Viola, Illinois. <laughs> for our local listeners, you got to get over there and check it out. We were doing uh, some giveaways for yes. some discounts at Smith's. And uh, we have another one coming up soon. Maybe it's already happened. It's in podcast line. Anything can happen right now. You never know. Um, so just check out workingclassboner.com. Check our Facebook videos um, on all social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, of course. Snapchat. 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 You keep forgetting Snapchat. WCB think- podcast on Snapchat. Um, so, yeah, we're super thankful for all our supporters or sponsors or whatever you want to call them. Um, if you want to say we're selling out, that's fine. But it's all stuff we, we use and love. Yeah. And uh, – it works for us, and that might not work for you, and that's completely okay. Let us know what does work for you. We can talk about it. We can talk it out. We can be friends. Yeah, workingclassbowhunter.com. Send us an email, workingclassbowhunter at gmail.com. Let us know if you don't like it or you like it, whatever it is. <laughs> I just kind of left that left that generic. <laughs> Moving on, the vet shout-out, Dark Horse Lodge. Guys, Dark Horse Lodge is moving forward. They're getting the process rolling. They could use your donations. Go to darkhorselodge.org. Donate to them. Find them on social media. You're going to buy stuff on Amazon. Tis the season to buy stuff on Amazon. Maybe you're listening around Christmas time. I don't know. (laughs) Smile.amazon.com. From what I understand now, because I don't use Amazon that frequently as I should, but once you do smile.amazon once, 
it automatically pops up when you go to Amazon. So it'll, it'll ask you if you want to go to mm-hmm. Amazon Smile. So do so, it once. So if you got to buy some new fletchings. Yes. And uh, like what I did, I bought some fletchings and was really unhappy with it. So I bought some new fletchings and uh, smile.amazon.com. Yeah. Ooh. And if you're wondering what Dark Horse Lodge is, peaceful retreat for combat vets. I'm sure we've talked about them enough, but this is podcast land. Never know when you're listening. So it's going to be a very cool place. We're hoping that goes along very smoothly, man. These guys went overseas and uh, wrote their name on that blank check, came back, and, you know, if you can give just a little bit back to them, smile that Amazon isn't going to charge you anymore. And you could just, if you want to give your money, they're going to take it. They're That's nonprofit. Right. So darkhorselodger.org. Check them out. Thank you for that veteran shout-out, Steve. Anytime. Um, I want to talk about something real quick before we move on to our guest here. Let's hear it. Um, I, I feel like we should give the people uh, my honest product review. And uh, maybe you have great product reviews. And the, the way I was using it, I maybe could be incorrect. I bought some AAE Max Hunter Fletchings online uh-huh. um, through Amazon. And uh, I couldn't get them to stick to my damn god arrows there at all. They kept coming off my arrows. And I don't know if it's used for... Um, and I have their their glue, their Max Bond glue, like they tell you to get, and everyone tell you to get. And I clean the arrows, the arrows, the fletchings, everything's cleaned. I have a Bits and Burger Fletcher, um, so I don't know what it is. If I just I didn't have a wrap on the end of my arrows, and I don't know if that's what they're intended for as a wrap. But I don't know. almost every fucking fletching came off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so or yeah. the corners were all popped up. So I ripped them all off. And I'm going back to the old school Blazers. Yeah, and, maybe uh, if, maybe if Kurt was doing something wrong, if you guys had this issue, email us at workingclassbowhunter.gmail.com. I have a suspicion like it's a, the wraps. Do you think so? Yeah. You think that's what it is? Mm-hmm. It's because probably they want like you a, to buy their AE wraps, and then yeah, they want you to... You know, but it's just like car parts. It's like, oh, yeah, don't uh, use this unless you buy motorcraft parts. No, I don't know. I, I, who knows? I, I mean, something could just be up. I don't know what it is, but uh, it's uh, what I noticed. It, I feel like this is fun to talk about. Um, I compared the like the base of the fletching where it glues to your uh-huh. arrow, and the AE Max Hunters are like t- just over twice as big as the. Well, it looks like the channel is a lot bigger on the AE than the mm-hmm. um, than the than the, the blazer. The blazer, the blazer yeah. yes. It looks yeah, it's way wider, and mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm shooting. A, I'm shooting a, right now a gold tip kinetic. Um, XT, and I don't know if that arrow is too thin a diameter for this fletching. Oh, I wonder. But it doesn't. It didn't clarify when I bought them. It didn't say that I have to use a wrap. It didn't say. It didn't. Even, I don't think it even says what glue you should use. Any where I ordered it from, it didn't. Well, hold on. So are you saying it's not the Kurt? It's the arrows. No, I'm saying I don't know all what right. it is. All right, all I'm right. saying if I'm I'm kind of asking for help or an idea or advice, a suggestion. Advice. Oh, and this is also kind of like just pre be warned. Like, yeah. If don't you spend your hard earned money on this if you're you could have this issue. I tore them all off and threw them in the garbage. Mm-hmm. And I know Eric, you shoot those those fletchings. Yeah, I've, I've shot them before and they were fine for me. So but, I don't know. But you have wraps though, don't you? Yeah, I shoot wraps on yeah. all my. I fletching. think that's the issue. But mm-hmm. I'm going. I went to old school blazers. I don't want to mess around with wraps and stuff. So again, don't spend your hard earned money. But if you got ill gotten money, spend it away. My as well you gotta get rid of it somehow <laughs> that's my little edition of the working class bow hunter honest product review of i don't know what the hell what i just made this whole segment up just now on the fly it's hey, beautiful it yeah, it whatever you guys didn't even know about it i just i just went with it so maybe we'll do those more often yeah it's podcast land did we know about it um honestly we had no idea <laughs> 
This week on the podcast, we have the boys from the Whitetail Experience. Yes. And we are going to talk to Byron and, and his fellas here and see what they're all about, what they got going on, where you can find them. And uh, we're looking forward to it. Um, good old hunting camp conversation here at the Working Class Bow Hunter. We love it, don't we? Yeah. So we hope you guys enjoy. Thanks again for listening, and we love you. All right, on the phone with us, we've got Byron and Dave from Whitetail Experience. You can check them out on Instagram. They're going to tell you all about what they're about. Did that sound weird? No, it sounded right. All right very That's good. All right, all right. yeah, I'm, I'm on it today. Byron and Dave, whoever wants to go first, how are you? Doing well, Steve. Uh, just finishing up some stuff here, and uh, time to sit down and talk some deer hunting with you. Oh, awesome. man, hopefully you got a cold beer in one hand and... Phone in the other. That's a, that's how I live my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's working. Hopefully, I think it might be cutting out. Can you hear us, Byron? Yeah, yeah. You guys are crystal clear. Okay, oh, I thought we were having some dropout yeah. here. Um, <laughs> tell everyone who you are and uh, or who you guys both are and what you guys do. Yeah, so we are kind of the the head honchos of the uh, Whitetail Experience, which is a brand kind of geared geared towards your average joe guys hunting public land and small parcels really uh we felt there was a a need or a consumer out there that would like you know some tactics tips as well as a a brand that would put out quality videos and quality photos and, and that's kind of our direction and and kind of our area of expertise awesome man i think our listeners really dig into that especially like the public the public land and the small parcel thing i think a lot of our listeners are doing that same thing yeah it's super relatable um to i'd say 95 percent of hunters and bow hunters out there right now yeah it's it's the the average joe may have permission on say like a 40 acres that his grandpa owns or or get permission from a lady up the street who's got a 10 acre woodlot um and you know i felt like a lot of shows out there they don't cater to that individual i would agree um i mean i'm in that same boat um now more than ever actually that's all i'm hunting now it's 40 acres and um i've always hunted smaller ground but this was kind of the property i got put on didn't have as much deer as what i was used to so you just got to stay you got to stay on it you can't get lazy otherwise you're gonna have zero success if that if you let that happen to you yeah yeah you definitely got to be smart so talk about where did like how did white the whitetail experience all get started like where were you like okay i'm finally going to put some stuff together here and, and call in a team and and when you actually called it a thing i guess is what i'm getting at yeah here. yeah so it's funny um dave and i actually went to school together went to college together and played basketball didn't talk much deer hunting and uh, a few years after that he messaged me on a hunting forum and said hey like i remember you from school and uh, we got to talking, and I had just really kind of started hunting uh, public ground, and I saw that Dave had been very successful and taking a couple nice bucks. And so we we started linking up. We started hunting together, and, and I wanted to learn more about public because I, I had limited private spots, and I, I saw the benefit to doing that. And um, then I kind of started, you know, being a little more successful and, and thought we might be able to do this. I have a, a business background and and so he he I feel like is the better hunter of the two of us, but we, we make a great team together. And then I kind of had an all-in uh, moment and I, I I was listening to a competitor's podcast and <laughs> <laughs> a competitor. <laughs> yeah, uh, I be- mean, believe they, me, no they, one's competition for us. Well, naturally. <laughs> but 
that day, the, the guy didn't know what a Schwacker broadhead was, and then later gave the tip of the day was if you see a buck moving on a ridge and you're sitting in tree stand A, don't move. He doesn't know you're there. Like, I, it blew my mind that the tip of the day was you just gained sighting and insight into a, how to kill a buck, and the, the action or course of, to kill that deer was to do nothing, uh, not even <laughs> adjust your strategy in the slightest. And I just said, I, I think I think we've got something here. And uh, Dave actually had a pretty cool all-in moment with some some bigger guys. I'd like to him to tell you a little bit about. For sure. Yeah, I just uh, yeah, I guess I just uh, you know I, I know some people who who do some filming for some some uh, some larger TV shows and whatnot, and they just I started trying to sit down and talk with some deer, and yeah, it just it just blew my mind how uh, the the little lack of knowledge that they had i guess on the on the topic and mm-hmm. i was just i was surprised and i told byron i said hey man you want to do this i said i'm all in with you um you know byron kind of recruited me and he's the business guy i'm just uh i'm the talent <laughs> hey there you go were you the dave were you the better basketball player too <laughs> actually it was just pickup basketball but of course yes oh okay yeah <laughs> even on the smaller courts yeah i still dunked on dude <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, all right, so you guys got the Instagram page rolling. You've got the YouTube thing going, the YouTube channel. I always forget it's a channel. Yeah. Now, do you find that, and I, I know we did this in the podcast, you guys went all in. You know, you decided, hey, this is something I want to do. There's nobody out there doing what we want to do. How much free time do you miss? <laughs> because if you guys are all in, I know like with this podcast – there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Oh, yeah. It's very much, I consistently, you know, a, a slow day for me is maybe one or two hours of either taking photos or working on a website, video editing. Mm-hmm. It's it's never ending. Or it, it could be simple things like, uh, you know, I'll call Dave after work and we talk 30 minutes of strategy on my drive home about different pieces of public and what we think we need to do moving forward with the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really funny. He sent me a text one day, and he goes, well, we're not going to make any money doing this, are we? And then dot, dot, dot. But we're going to have a lot of fun spending some money on this project. <laughs> yeah. That's how it is, man. We I mean, all know how that goes. Yeah, no matter boy. what you do, I think no matter, absolutely no matter what you do in the hunting industry, that's the way it goes. Yeah. For the most yeah, part. Yeah, I spend, I spend a lot of time myself. Uh, you know, Byron does a lot of the business stuff, the photos, the the Instagram, the the web pages, whatnot. You know, I'm you know I spend a lot of time looking at topos, um, trying to find new spots. You know, looking at forums, looking at advice. Um, you know, because I mean, we do have a group of us, and we all want to be successful. So you know, I can't just target one bug necessarily. You know, I'm trying to find bugs for the for the team. Right, absolutely. Which is awesome. Yeah, it's a good now, thing for your team. <laughs> it is. Now I'm gonna uh, now I'm ask the hardest question. I think that uh, that I think will ever be asked to you guys. Why, oh, why would uh, Steve, as a fan, decide to check your guys' Instagram out over some other girl's Instagram who maybe shoots a bow once or twice but has Huntress in her name? Why would I pick you guys? (laughs) Shots fired. Shots fired. Hey, we're ruthless today. Uh, No, I completely understand the question, Steve. Um, I would go with the the fact that, yes, that girl is pretty, but can she help you – hang a rack on your wall you can watch all year round, if you know what I'm saying. 
Oh, hey, we got you. We feel you. Pick it, pick it up what you're putting down. We're smelling what you're stepping in. Okay. <laughs> I yeah no completely get that. You guys, um, you know, seasoned vets. You what? Uh, nope. What can I touch on? What, what we just discussed oh, yeah, yeah, about yeah, real quick. Let, let's touch. Let's and, touch. And guys, on I, I'm hoping you'll agree with me here. And my thing is lately, I've been kind of going through my uh, personal feed and the working class bow hunter feed. And looking at some of the people I follow and, you know, there is those instances where it could just be a pretty girl who's like clinging on to this outdoor hunting thing to gain likes and followers. And I get that. Whatever. I get it. Um, but I've kind of been looking. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to follow you and I don't know you personally, what can I learn? What can I, what is my reason for following you? If it's just because... You follow, you get what I'm at here. Like, yeah. there's no reason yeah. to look up to you, sure. learn or or basically interact with you in a positive way for the better of what I'm in this industry for. It's kind of pointless for me to even be connected with you. Whereas, and that might sound super negative to some people, and then maybe some people kind of get exactly where I'm going with that. But um, like, I just want to be with good people in the industry that are are going to push things in a positive direction is basically where I'm at on all that. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys agree or not, but uh, or at least get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, like, and I, I take the, the, the Instagram account and our social media feed. Um, you go to our account. We don't have cell phone pictures. They're, they're crisper, cleaner images that kind of show that, you know, we care about the product we're putting out there. But the direction we're going to take actually with our YouTube page is kind of for people that are looking to get some content, some tactics and some strategies um, guys that, that, that'll listen to somebody talking and, and look for ways to improve their own hunting. Uh, I, I feel like social media is a game of, of, you know, capturing quick attention spans, short videos, mm-hmm. crisp photos. But with our YouTube page, that's where I'm going to, you know, release videos. We, we sit down and talk uh, with a guy who hunts a 30 acre piece and this will be out by the time this airs. And it's, He's got a very interesting tactic to how he enters and exits stands um, that is just next level. And, and that's the kind of, you know, the consumer that goes to YouTube and says, okay, I want to better my hunting strategy on, on public, public land or maybe I've got 20 acres. I want to get that guy on my YouTube page. And then, oh, these guys are on Instagram. These guys are on Facebook. Wow, they're producing crisp images, pretty cool highlight videos, follow. So that's kind of how I want to get some attention yeah. that way. Man, I agree. I think that's the best way to do it. Um, are you still there? Did we lose you? Or not? just nope? It sounded like oh, a hard. A, it sounded like a hard cutout. He, he was um, like, he was like, and that's how he, that's how he wanted to end it on. No, <laughs> he just hangs up. Mic drop. All right, um, but no, that no, I, I agree with that completely. That's awesome, and that's. Um, I'd say our Instagram would be that clean, but we post really anything <laughs> from our cell phone, or whatever. We're just working class style, I guess. But uh, yeah, because it it fits us. But obviously, I get where you're coming from. I appreciate your hustle for sure. Yeah, you you put the time and effort in, and you know you spend the the extra couple hours to to really put out good images. And I think that's such a positive thing for the industry to to really have. Now, I'm not bashing. I mean, if you've got great footage and it's on a you know, and the only way you can get it is a cell phone. That's absolutely fine too. But you know, it just shows a little bit of dedication what you guys do. And again, not knocking anyone else, but we appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. the hustle. Um, so, fellas, moving on. So, the last few episodes, we had uh, Sam Ubel, we had Greg Litzinger, um, some some very respected public land guys. 
And since you guys are in that realm as well. And since you called me out about public land. Oh, yeah, I had to call you out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had to call you out, boss. Yeah, no, no, not you. Byron called me oh, out. Oh, I called you out, and then he appreciated me calling you out. Oh, I thought he yes. did. Call. All right, so. So just just a little bit of love for the show is what yeah, Byron was giving us. a little bit, yeah. But basically, what we've been asking is, let's talk about public land and the scouting and maybe some like top three tips that you would give for hunting public ground. And we'll basically, our listeners can compare notes. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be great. I actually connected with Sam after the show, and and uh, now I'm on his Chase Nation app, and uh, that that was a cool connection through you guys. He's a great guy. Um, oh, he's a cool dude. Yeah. So kind of getting things kicked off, um, this is kind of a strategy I, I, I got involved with with Dave is here in Ohio, we have a, a later muzzleloader season that falls in the first half of January. Um, and he kind of, we, we elect that time period to actually go into new pieces of public and kind of explore and scout in season essentially. But you also do have that ability to still be hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like, yeah, scouting in season is obviously, you know, the best time to scout. I mean, that's when, you know, that's what the deer are on the patterns that they're going to be doing when you're during hunt season. And as far as muzzler season goes, um, you know, you, you can kind of uh, get a judgment on the kind of pressure you're going to get, you know, uh, during your normal bow season or your rut, I guess. You know, the, about the same amount of people that are out there during muzzler season is about the same amount of pressure you're going to get during the rut mm-hmm. you know the rest of your bow season it's kind of a little bit sparse and then during gun season obviously you have the orange army so <laughs> when public land goes if you're trying to trying to just go to a new piece and say oh well i want to know how much pressure this piece gets you know you can kind of get a decent judge on on how much pressure the rut will have during that late muzzleloader season i guess because mm-hmm. part of you know part of scouting is is scouting other hunters, you know, that's that's the that's part of scouting on public. You're literally scouting other hunters almost as much as you're scouting the deer. Right, you know, you're right. seeing what all the other hunters are doing because you know you got to learn what the deer are going to do to avoid those other hunters' patterns. Hopefully, you're seeing some of those Instagram hunters too. Those are good sites to look at, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve, Steve, we have we have a term for these guys. Um, we, and we gals. call them and gals, <laughs> but we call them dicky mo's. <laughs> And generally, a dicky mo will get out of his truck and walk 15 minutes in a given direction. Generally, the easiest path of resistance uh-huh. and set up. Uh, generally, you know, the, the, the dicky mo is the weekend warrior, but just doesn't necessarily have the most advanced tactics or strategy when it comes to hunting public. Um, or he lacks passion. Which call, yeah, yeah, you should call him yeah, Stevie Mo's. No. Call him Stevie Moe's. <laughs> call him Stevie Moe's. <laughs> that is. You are a dicky mo. You are. No, I am not. When it came to public, yeah, you found the nearest tire and you sat on it. I drove past that uh, parcel today. There's another tire in there. Oh, my oh God. Oh, it is fantastic. Anyway, back to <laughs> yeah. back to, back back to, to these guys, guys real that, quick, right, Steve? That is a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is a great tip to you know see where all the other hunters are going because you know there's there's so many times that you hear you know guys especially that live over in Iowa where Eric's talking about where they're like dude nobody's ever hunting there I drive past that all the time in October no cars are over, ever there you know seeing where where the guys are parked where they're going into and seeing where they're going in is is really huge i'm sure it's everybody very, it's very important yeah i'm sure everybody says they do it but 
you know, to what extent do you really do it? You guys obviously gave him a name, so you know. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You yeah, and, to, uh, and, to, and to touch on you, he said driving by and seeing where guys parked and are at and whatnot. You know, if, if we have spots that are semi-close to the road, those are definitely spots where we drop off a buddy at. There's no vehicle left there. Yeah. <laughs> That's another little tip, I guess, uh, as far as the public land goes. That's go. a really great tip. And I was thinking when Steve was saying that, I'm like, well, if I if I was deep into hunting public ground, I'd have one of those bikes that you could pedal but charge, and I'd park where everyone else parked or parked one spot and bike down and go in and hide my bike and then hike in the rest of the way. Man, can you charge your cell phone off one of those? I'm sure you could, Steve. I'm sure you oh, could. Need one. Um <laughs> Let's talk about, um, I guess, public ground. In our area, we talk about it a lot on the podcast. It's kind of, uh, there's not a lot of it. And maybe there is, but it's a lot further than we are willing to drive for uh, like a workday hunt after the after we get off work or even just on like a two-day weekend. Um, and, and some of the public we do have doesn't look very good or doesn't seem very good. You, you hear stories about like, oh, there's so many people out there. You never see any deer. I mean, what's your guys' like, what judgment do you make on property when you first see it as, as public ground? Yeah, there's definitely something to getting out away from a, a population and, and putting that drive time in that you mentioned. We have a couple of spots that are closer in that 45-minute loop uh, of where we reside in Columbus that we can kill does there, but to kill a mature buck, it, it takes a little something special. A majority of our spots are closer to an hour, 15, hour, and 30 minutes. Um, so, you know, the, that's separating a lot of guys. You know, you got to get up at, say, 3.30 a.m., mm-hmm. drive an hour and a half, hike in 45 minutes, hang a stand 10, 15 minutes to get that up. Um, that that does separate a, a lot of people. Um, as far as other ways to, to, to gauge if a piece is, is worth your time or not, Mm-hmm. Obviously, if there's a lot of other public within 30 minutes of that, that helps. the The eastern and southern side of our states have a lot more side of our state has a lot more public ground, a lot more what I'll call quality public ground. Um, not to say you can't do it on the western side. There's just not as much availability. Mm-hmm. So typically, when you guys are hanging stands, you know, 10, 15 minutes, you guys are only hanging them what six, seven feet off the ground. I'm just going. By, <laughs> I'm just going by whatever I see out in public ground. <laughs> How do you guys? No, try- I, I heard the sigh. Yeah, I heard it. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, Steve. Like, um, so we kind of evolved. We used to do the uh, the nicer climbers. Um, we had invested in those, and they worked great. Um, getting up twenty to thirty feet, not a problem. Um, also, very efficient, very fast at getting up. But um, we made the jump to the, you know, hang on and, and stick combo. A uh, little heavier setup, but we have, oh, four different type of stands, three different type of sticks, and trying to figure out what we like best mm-hmm. as far as the, the mobility run and gun set. Um, that, that 15 minutes is basically the time you spend half of it probably getting a stand off your back and getting, like, your tow rope ready, getting your, your first, you know, um, step on the tree with your extender, 
and then um, getting ready to, to physically climb. The hanging, the actual climb and hanging a stand is literally probably seven minutes. It's it doesn't take all that long. It's it's more the prep work mm-hmm. um, that goes into that, and obviously mounting a camera arm takes a little time. Traditionally, I'll hang my stand, come back down the tree, and put on my final uh, layer or two, especially my pants. I'm not going to put on my my secondary pants up in the stand, but I may leave my jacket off until I do cool cool down completely. Yeah, and uh, and guys, it also helps when you have uh, somebody like Byron who can go up and hang your stand for you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, dude! I've, I just stand on the ground and and, and hook stuff to the tow rope. Man, he's up in the tree. Like here you go, pull this up. It's ready. I'm feeling that. <laughs> you know, it. I wish I had more good public ground within 45 minute drive, and maybe there is. I know our buddy Gene Miller hunts some public ground, and I think I'm going to take him up on going out and scout and look at it because the way you guys are talking, the way you hunt public land. I mean, not. It, it, I can kind of relate because I sort of hunt the ground I hunt, private ground, how you guys talk about. Like, I'm very active. Like, I am I move a lot with it with with intelligence. Is I'm not, like, moving into the wrong winds and tromping all over the place because it's private ground. I want to keep the deer there, and I'm hopefully the only guy tromping around in there, which is not always the case, especially during gun season on one of my properties. Um, but that's what was able to put me on the deer I killed this last season is – I had nothing for south wind, and to make a south wind work for this property, I had like a sliver of ground, and I was like, well, I can't hunt anything else, so I moved to stand, and that's the same tactic you guys are saying, just hang and hunt, $25 stand, kill my buck first morning sitting in it at six yards. It's just, you can't be lazy on, even private ground can be pressured, but not near oh, as sure. pressured as public ground, it depends where you're at on that on that uh, public ground, but you can't be lazy ever. Because it's uh, deer are moving and, and you got to move with it and you got to move quick to catch them off guard. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, Byron talked about linking up with me to uh, to explore some of this public ground stuff. And because you know, he became he started learning that at least with his particular small piece of private that he has, it's it's a less is more type of game. Mm-hmm. You know, he as least the many tracks in and out of that piece that he has, the better. So he's like, well, I'm not just going to sit around and, and wait till Halloween to hunt. So he started exploring some public land and they started seeing deer and we started seeing deer together. And it, you know, it, it kind of turns into, you know, he's hunting public for, you know, most, most of the time, you know, we're in public land, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, Byron does have a small piece and it's, 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 you know, he'll hunt there two, three times a year type of type of place. So I, I got a question. Um, Like in Ohio, can you guys leave your stands up on public ground or do you have to take them down after each hunt? No, you can leave them uh, with the season as long as it's not like a permanent uh, damaging trees, that kind of thing. But you can leave a stand and come back to it, and we will do that occasionally um, if that's, we that's if we feel this. Yeah. yeah, very rare. We, we when we go into a spot on public, we for the most part have no intention of going back to that spot. We we plan on killing on our first kill into an area and and everywhere we go. And just I think you just mentioned this first sit in the stand. That buck at. I mean, if that, there's something about the first sit in a new spot that is, you know, it's there's no scent ever been touched on that ground. Sure, yeah, there's sure. something like Ohio has like a an Ohio big buck club that's a a little bit higher record book uh, standards than Pope and Young, I believe, and they released some statistics about the 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 amount of deer killed on first and second sits, and it's something like. 
38 or almost 40% of their entries are killed by guys who have sat that stand one or two times. Um, and to me, that was just mind blowing. Yeah. Um, that, that, that larger percentage would, would made up that record book. I mean, that, I mean, it is surprising to see that. It definitely is, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Is that not two years, two years in a row? You've hung a stand and killed a deer yeah. and a buck out of it the next day. Yeah. This, se- this yeah. last season, I killed my buck. And first the year morning, before that. And the year before, yeah, first that's morning. How, that, that's how my last buck was also. It's, first I thing. shot that doe. I hung that stand that day and I shot that doe. It's just, they're not expecting you there. Huh? It's, the thing is, like you Surprise. have your stands, the old trustworthy stands, and uh, if this happens, take them down and, and move. Um, but old school stands that have been there forever, like hey, yeah, go. Uh, I used to hunt a really big piece of public or uh, private ground, and uh, one of my buddies is like, hey, you can hunt my stand, try it out, see if you like the area. So I sit there, and still as a board, just hanging out. Doe walks in, looks straight up to see if I was in the stand. You know, she's checking; she knows that spot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's felt that pressure before. It's no surprise that guys kill big deer on first sits in, especially on morning hunts. If if you move in right with the right wind and you go in how you should go in and get in there and and you can close the deal. It just yeah. uh, it takes yeah. that preparation. So, but but let me ask you this: you know, you guys mentioned you you moved away from the climbers, which it sounds like that's a slam dunk for you guys. Well, why did you move away from from climbers to the to the the sticks and? And hang-ons, you know, if it seems like the first couple times you sit in there, you're going to have the best luck. Um, well, you know, for, for me, it was a big thing. So I just I went traditional um, two years ago. And for me, it was, I, you know, I'm going to find, find these new spots. And, okay, I really want to set up in this spot right here exactly. And there was no trees that a climber would go into. And there's multiple trees that got branches, you know, good gnarly silver maples and whatnot. That if I had a hang on, I could get into with plenty of cover. So, you know, cause you know, at least, at least going traditional, you need to be, you know, there's, there's a specific area you want to be in cause you want to be able to shoot two trails. You want to be able to shoot a trail or whatnot. Your kill radius is reduced dramatically. Yeah. So yeah. you have to be, you know, I need to be in this tree. And so it's, you know, when you go with the hang ons, any tree in the woods is available to hang basically. For sure. And the thing is, guys, I don't know if you'd agree. I mean, I don't know what stands you use. If you need to make a plug, by all means, yeah, make plug a plug. It. But uh, no, I, no, we we run four different stands. We got two XOPs, one lone wolf, uh, a muddy, and a hawk as well mm-hmm. in the arsenal of run and gun stands. I drove past XOP today. Well, yeah, XOPs uh, not far from right us. In Dubuque. Um, th- those yeah, guys Cody are pretty DeQuisto, cool. Good dude. Yeah, what I like about those guys the most, man, from just talking to them at trade shows and stuff, and and I have a natural like uh, attraction to people as as just anything in general is like they're automatically really cool, and it's because how I just do things and some of my friends they're extremely tattooed and they're gauged out, <laughs> and in my opinion, those are nine times out of ten some of the nicest people you can if ever talk to. If they're hunting with tattoos and gauges, they're an honest human being, right, Kurt? I would, I would hope so. <laughs> but uh, He's lying. I, I'm the guy that I'll buy $25 stands, though, at the same time at Walmart if I find them, it would, no matter what it is, and I'll hunt out of those because I'm a working-class guy. I can't afford... I would love to be able to buy boxes and boxes of XOPs or Lumos or whatever, but, pallet of lone wolves. but $25 <laughs> hang-ons will, will work for me. And yeah, I, I've killed a lot of deer out of those. Stands. Dude, the big dogs. Oh man, you sitting them in the. You, those you are get, the worst of the bunch, though. You know, you know what the <laughs> the good thing with the, with the big dogs is, and you sit in them one time, 
and they're comfortable. And that's the one time you need to kill that big buck. That's a one time because that cushion just gets, oh, man, by the time you get out of it, it's flat as a pancake. I don't know yeah. about you skinny guys, but for me it is. Yeah. The, the, the advantage, though, with those lighter, you know, the, those higher dollar hang-on is, you know, obviously we're going to pack in a mile, right. a mile and a half sometimes. The, the, that light, you know, aluminum frame, and then they, they are meant to hang easier. Hanging the, those the, the twenty five dollar Walmart specials. Trust me, I've got a few of them. They're they're oh, nice they to suck. have. Them. They oh, suck. They're terrible. <laughs> oh, nothing worse than hanging those stands. Not not gonna lie. I'd rather drag a deer out, do that much work, than than hang some of those cheaper, heavy, you know. But I will I will lay out a tip here though. A lot of the a lot of my prime time stands that I have are there because of I did a trial run with one of those cheap stands, threw it up. I was like, I like the spot, seems good, and then I'll swap her out like. It's it's a science. Like I agree. If I'm gonna go in like you guys are, if I'm gonna pack in, I'm gonna take one of my lone wolves or one of my mm-hmm. lighter stands. Or I have a muddy. I have a hawk. I, I I experiment. Tree stands are kind of my guilty pleasure, and all my buddies <laughs> know this. Like I'll buy up a variety of different brands to try them, so I know what I like, what I don't like. And uh, but I will I, if I see a pile of those twenty five dollars stands, I buy them up. I have oh, five in sure. my shed right now, just ready to rock somewhere. Oh, you know what? I got I got a question for you guys. What do you guys feel about ladder stands? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, th- I think I think it's a Dickie Mo thing right there. No, it's a it's a Dickie Mo thing, man. It's a Stevie Mo thing. I love ladder stands. It's a Stevie I don't Mo know about thing. You guys? Yeah, you. Oh, like they're the- they're definitely easy and convenient. You know, if you have uh, if it, you've got it in a good stationary spot with some backdrop behind you and whatnot. But I mean, for you know, obviously, for what do we do? It, there's no way. Okay, let me can I let me play out a scenario here for you guys, and I want you guys to basically explain how you're going to approach this certain scenario, if that's cool with you guys. Cool. You get permission from little old lady, maybe her name's Ethel, and she owns a 12-acre piece of solid timber behind her property. What's the first thing you do? You give thanks to Bert because he passed what's, away uh, last What's year. the time of year, Kurt? Let's go... That's a very good question. Nope, nope, nope. We're going to go. Let me feed October 8th. October 8th. I've gained permission to a 10-acre private patch of timber. Yep. From Ethel. She goes to church every Sunday. Only has a Cadillac to drive there. (laughs) The first thing I'm going to do is obviously pull up any sort of topo and aerial photos of the place um, and, and try and just make smart estimations as to what kind of property I think I'm dealing with without stepping foot inside. Do I think I've got maybe some oaks? Can I see if the, there's still leaves on some of the winter pictures online? Um, I'm going to look at maybe how dense it is, how thick it looks, maybe even from the road. I'm going to road scout that area for sure before ever stepping foot. And if it's October 8th. It's outside in, I'd say. You, know, you, you stay on the outskirts at first. And then you know, and you know, you might as well go give it a chance. You you have to. You, you don't know if anything's there until you jump it out. Right. Yeah. So I'd probably, like Dave says, hunt the outside. Maybe like uh, what they call like that observation stand is a hot hot word today in, in today's hunting. But I'd start outside in, and I try to figure out the bedding. Um, I hunt a, a very small, you know, primary bedding piece, and and that that dictates my movement from there. Um, to the next step in how I would approach that eight to 10 acre piece. Very good tips. I think. And and a lot of that might seem 
sort of basic to some of our listeners, but I think there's a lot of listeners that can can benefit yeah. from a scenario like that because a 10-acre patch is what a lot of guys have to hunt. Absolutely. So, so that being said, but let me let me throw this other scenario at him before you say something stupid, Steve. Oh, because um, I was going to. <laughs> I was totally going to. Let's throw, okay, we'll do a 30-acre patch of timber All right. that you get, and we'll say this is October 25th. 30-acre patch of timber, and then there's 10 acres of CRP to the north. Harold owns this. Harold. Mm, okay. Ooh, um, let's see. Is the is the field acreage available to be seen from a distance safely without, obviously, you, you know, educating deer? There's standing corn to the south of this patch of timber, and then the, the CRP is to the north. Okay. I'll give you a minute to think about it because you got to kind of play this out for a minute. This is not going to be like an immediate response answer. I'll let our listeners know. And this, I'm, we've never done this type of question before, but we might start doing it more often. Honestly, I don't even know what I would do at that point. I just wanted to see because public ground or, or it's private. We'll say this is private or however you guys want to play this scenario. But this is a. Uh, this is good for conversation because you guys uh-huh. can break it down as we conversate if that's what you need to do. Because um, sometimes it takes a lot of thought. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. Yeah, oh, they're, oh, they're talking strategy now. I hear it. Yeah, I'd say wait for like a, a westerly wind of some sort. You know, so you can get a little bit of crosswind there. Um, you really you potential bedding to your north, potential bedding to your south. Mm-hmm. I mean, feeding to your south. So I guess your best bet's going to be deer traveling north to south. Mm-hmm. I'm going from CRP to the corn. I mean, but even then, it's a it's hodgepodge because then you're getting there. You're getting closer towards the end of October. Um, so I, I would still hunt it. I'd probably still hunt it. I mean, I would just go under risky. You just got the piece. I mean, where you've been hunting somewhere else previously, mm-hmm. so you have backup places to go in. And I'd probably hit it pretty aggressively, and I'd probably stay on the ground and uh, just you know, you know, if, if it's if if you're seeing a lot that first time in there, I mean, that's a good time of year that you're going to see some deer. So, and if you're seeing a lot, then you might back out and take more. Um, methodical approach to it and, uh, you know, find your stand location and whatnot. But I think I, I, that, that's why I hunt public land because I like to be aggressive. I like to go in there and if I jump a deer, guess what? There's another one a few hills over. I think I See, would completely agree with that answer, yeah. Dave, for sure. Dave, I, I would, I, I'm on 100% on board with that answer. Dave hitting the triple double, showing up Byron once again. Good Lord, Byron, <laughs> where are you at? <laughs> hey, let, uh, let me ask you this. No, let, let Byron talk. Oh, let, Byron, oh Byron, you yeah, want to answer. One thing I yeah. may do with this piece is, is go in in the evening mm-hmm. when I can see a little bit more of, of sign and, and make an educated guess on where I might set up. Dave's a little more aggressive than I am. Being that it's that late October period and, and scrapes might be a little more active, um, I may sneak in there and, and try and find either a rub line or, or some scrape activity and, and set up uh, according to that. Or if I find some acorns dropping, that buck may get on his feet just a few minutes earlier that time of year and check an oak flat leading out to the save that corn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I agree. That, that end of October, you know, the, the bucks aren't necessarily – bed all day and get up at night because they're going to get up just a hair earlier towards the end of October and they're going to go scout around and try to find where the does are at because they know in a week or so, you know, that, that, that's what, that's the does that they're going to be targeting. For sure. And I would almost even say, um, if they're, 
say this methodical property um, has a road near it, like Byron, kind of where you you were leaning is you could almost road scout this, see where the deer are moving from north to south or wherever they're coming out on the timber if they're going to that fe- that field to the south of the of the that, property. That standing corn though, that could be a tough. I know it could be, tough, be to, tough. Yeah, it depends. Oh, it it yeah. all depends on what's if the if the corn's been picked. If it's a lot plays into it, and oh yeah, good answers from both you guys. And uh, sorry if I threw too heavy of a question at once at you, but oh, I like it. But uh, I think that the, was a really the good standing answer. corns. What got me? Because yeah. <laughs> you can't pattern deer year after year. Standing corn changes their pattern for the year. Yeah. Oh sure. Especially yeah. going from corn to beans or vice versa. You know. Yeah. Exactly. You never. Yeah. They, that when they're standing corn, and and some farms get picked earlier than others. And that just throws a loop in every pattern that you've been studying. Mm-hmm. Well, and I found, too, with my properties is, like, if it's standing corn one year, they're going to take a totally different path if it's beans if it's beans or corn. For sure. Yeah. Agreed. Yep, definitely. So they'll make huge loops out of their way if they can do it in the safety of cover. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, we, we, we've talked about some strategies that you guys got going on. And uh, you know, I kind of grilled you on it. Some of your gear, I, I want to get to know what other what other gear you guys like to use. Public land guys, you got to use something that you guys. Public land, you just have to travel further than you normally would. You know, public or you know, private land, you know exactly where you're going. You can cut paths to it. Public, a little bit different. You got to have some stuff that holds up. What's some of the uh, things that you guys use? What do you guys like? As far as gear goes, yeah, I, I uh, currently run a. a <laughs> yeah, that was a weird question. That's I'm a sorry. Very rough question. Sorry. No, that's okay. No, I run a uh, mully system actually on my standing sticks currently. So that's like a, a military shoulder straps, which with a lap band that kind of helps take some of that weight of the stand sticks in a backpack because you're looking at 25 pounds between your standing sticks um, and roughly. 15 pounds in your backpack between your binos, your camera gear, your arm. So you're looking at 40 pounds on your back. So that mully system takes, you know, the, the junk straps that those, those hang-ons come with to, to carry in and it makes it a much more tolerable experience. Um, I'm actually researching a couple backpacks to that'll accommodate a stand and stick combo, both the, uh, Eberstock X2 and the, uh, Badlands like 2200 are kind of my leaders in the clubhouse right now that, that, that I'm looking to purchase before my next season for sure. Nice. Yeah. We're a fan of the Badland stuff. Uh, we've done, we done some work with those guys. Uh, we have a, got to check in with all our boys at Badlands and get a podcast lined up. But, uh, I use the Badlands super day and, uh, I packed in some stands and you can throw a lot in that pack. Uh, so definitely good gear, lifetime warranty as well. Yep. Yeah. No. Yeah, and by myself, I, I've you know honestly, I've done it. The, I've done it the hard way <laughs> with with crappy clothing, crappy gear for for years. I'm just now starting to buy some better quality stuff, and it's uh it's a dramatic difference. <laughs> for sure, I, mean, it, I was the funny? guy with you know yeah, I was that guy with the Walmart long johns and two hoodies and you know and and just sweating on my way in and freezing once i'm in there for two hours i did that for many years working class guy right there man oh, yeah. Can't I, hate still that. I appreciate it i appreciate that so what um the one i'll oh, go ahead oh i was just gonna ask what uh what cameras you guys run into to, to film your hunts and things 
Uh, primarily, we're running a couple Canon DSLRs. I've got the uh, oh the T5i. Um, I like it. Another of our guys has that, and Dave, you've got the 60D. So we don't. Obviously, we're packing in. We can't bring uh, the kitchen sink into into the woods to film our hunts. Um, a listen, uh, uh, you know, something for your listeners if they're looking for a knockoff GoPro, we have found the the SJ Cam 4000 to be a pretty decent knockoff GoPro um, for under a hundred bucks. Shoots, you know, 1080p time lapse video pictures. Um, that's something the working man can get into without having to drop the GoPro price. Uh-huh. You gotta, and that's no, we use the uh, I have the Adventure Cams, kind of the same deal, you know, off brand GoPro. Yeah, we have one yeah. in the studio right now. Yeah, it's same size, same type of housing. Yeah, do those SJ cams have like a little remote on them too? Yeah, like you can sync mm-hmm. uh, your phone to do the uh, like Wi-Fi. Oh, and for sure, on and off from your phone, so that's pretty slick. Yeah, you can't beat that. I mean, verse like four or five hundred dollars GoPro, and we have one here. The I don't know what is it there? Adventure the Cam Ten, and it's like sixty-seven bucks. You know, the whole deal. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather spend, you know, $400 and put that towards maybe a, an out west trip. Yeah, right. no Absolutely. shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you guys are in Columbus, Ohio. I guess I didn't put two and two together until you mentioned that earlier in the episode. Yeah. You guys, uh, yeah. is your biggest, your idol in the hunting world, is it uh, um, Tom Miranda? <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, Tom Miranda did. Uh, he, he started his career trapping here in Ohio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's um, Eastern Ohio, I believe. Yeah, I, I couldn't even tell you. We we have some big buck killers. Uh, Adam Hayes comes to mind when you think of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, he's the big one. He's Columbus. Oh yeah, yeah. He, we see him at uh, our local bow shop a decent amount, so that's kind of cool. Is it fair to say that Ohio is kind of divided? Because our good buddy Clint Casper is from Ohio. He does the working class bow hunter uh, camo collar blog and. He's been on yeah. quite a bit. Um, he's from Ohio. Um, I think he's two hours northeast of Columbus, if I'm correct. Uh, okay. But it seems like Ohio is kind of divided down the middle as a big buck state. Yeah, the, the western side of the state has more agriculture and smaller woodlots. Mm-hmm. Um, the the eastern side of the state, and I think in that, that, that there's a couple counties that are known to produce some quality bucks seem to be – Oh, to our east, I don't know, 45 minutes. Any county, though, in Ohio can produce a, a big, you know, a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, it just does seem like either the number of hunters connecting on big bucks seems to be on that eastern side. Mm-hmm. Really? That's in, that's that is interesting, interesting because we always hear about how Indiana's a sleeper state, and you think the closer you get to Indiana, but maybe it seems like it's a gap. Like, you got small bucks in Iowa. Big bucks in Illinois. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You know, and then big in <laughs> Indiana, and then then Ohio's that kind of weird divider. I, I don't. Know, I hear more about big bucks in Ohio than I do Indiana, for sure. I've yeah, I hearing, would agree. Yeah, but I've been hearing that. But but none on public on land, right, Kurt? That's what I heard. What the, what's that? <laughs> what <laughs> I said, but none on public land is what I heard. <laughs> oh, good that, lord! That might be correct. Um, Steve just doesn't really know what he's doing here on the podcast. We just have him around for a good time and make fun of him. No, I know um, exactly what I'm doing. Everything is methodical. That's right. Someone used that word earlier, and I love that. That's right. That, that's a pro wrestling term for boring. Steve, you'd be way. a lot more popular if you had cleavage. Oh, wait. Hold on. Never mind, guys. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to start not, an Instagram page, guys? <laughs> we're not going there. 
<laughs> oh god! I, 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 Is that those Huntress Instagram pages you're talking about? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. We should start just putting mine up there. See if see many hits we can get. <laughs> That's a bad oh, idea. Yeah. I've lost track of this episode all of a sudden. Bring us back, Kurt. How do you guys use um, like public ground? How does trail cameras play into public ground hunting, or does it? Um, I mean, not much, honestly. We do throw them out occasionally to, to you know, maybe luckily catch a nice one moving through. Um, but you know, other than that, that, you know, and if, if we do catch a good one moving through, we might hone in on that area. Um, just cause we know he's, he's in the area. I mean, I mean we'll use the time that we see him and whatnot to, mm-hmm. to judge, to judge whereabouts he might be betting or whatnot. But yeah, public land wise, they're, they're pretty much not really worth it. It's just, that's, that's honestly, that's some of the, the greatest part about public is because you don't know what bucks are on, are out there. Mm-hmm. And any, any big buck you see is a, is a new buck for the most part. And it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's really exciting when you see a big one coming in that you've just never seen before rather than saying, Oh yeah, that's this guy. Right. Sure. Definitely. That is, that is cool. I, the more I talk to, um, guys that have experience in public ground, the more I'm interested in actually getting after it and, and, uh, and going for it and making a point to try and kill a buck on public ground that way. Cause I don't know about you guys, when you guys kill a good deer on, on, on private ground that you've worked your ass off for, and it's never, it's never a, a slam dunk, no matter what it's hunting. It, that's why it's called hunting, not killing. Um, but even on public or on private ground, if you can bust your ass for a big buck and you kill it. And then you have, uh, Steve, Say, well, you just killed that deer because you shot it on on private ground. You have good property. Well, it's man, I busted my nah, ass. Yeah. I, well, public, I, I find it like public. That. Yeah, I find it public only for you know for years, and you know I don't believe that way even the slightest. It's not any easier necessarily. It's it's different, mm-hmm. you know, and it's you know like you know a lot of private is a less is more game. You know, you just you you know you have to force yourself to stay out the woods sometimes. You have to hunt it completely differently. It's just completely different tactics. It's, it's in no way really any easier, in my opinion. But right. I'm a public land guy. For sure. Yeah, like you say all the time, Dave, if deer were as patternable as everybody claims they were, everyone would have a, a bunch of bucks on their wall that are over Pope and Young. But, you know, your average guy doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep, I would 100% agree with that. Um, is there something we didn't cover that we need to cover, guys? I mean, as far as scouting some some public, we we did talk about this earlier. Eliminating acreage is also a huge part of the game, I feel. You know, not necessarily finding your hunting hole, but eliminating spots. Um, We went to a piece a couple weeks ago, and we walked in. I had found this 800-yard ridge. I'm like, there's got to be bucks cruising this ridge. It's away from the road. It looks good. If he's using thermals and wind, it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. And we got out of the truck. We walked 50 yards in, and I'm like, let's eliminate this side of the road. We, we, we sweep through that piece, and we finally get back to my ridge that I'm like, this is going to be money. And we walked the whole thing, and I only found what I considered one doe bedding area and just not the amount of sign. And I was, I, I had to tell myself, look, this isn't worth it, even though topographically it makes perfect sense why this should be a hot ridge. Mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't work out. Another thing that, like, I think is important when, when scouting some public is not to draw a conclusion too early. A lot of times, you know, you need to, to learn several pieces or areas and then kind of put a, put a, a, a whole wrapping on the area. We wa- walked that piece and I found 
a bunch of rubs, 100 yards from the truck. I'm like, what is this all about? I'm finding buck sign after buck sign, not necessarily finding any droppings or any kind of reason they would meander through here, but I'm just finding rub after rub. And obviously you get excited, but a lot of rubs are made at night and, you know, seem to be sometimes overrated. Mm -hmm. And I walked another two, 300 yards and ended up finding two doe bedding areas, one potential buck bed that I wasn't 100% sure on. But then it kind of dawned on me that this rub line is probably hot that last week of October when these bucks are obviously working the top of this above these doe bedding areas, scent checking to try and find that first hot doe. You know, I don't think a couple years ago when I'd started, I'd have just said, okay, there's rubs here, moving on. I wouldn't have found out why those rubs are there or made an educated guess at when I may go in and hunt that rub line. Um, So I think, you know, finding the full picture of what's going on in an area is an important part of, of scouting public ground. And that's, and that's going to bring with you jumping of deer. You know, you're going to have to be on your feet moving, whether it's October and you're trying to check out a new piece in October because, you know, scouting during season is some of the best time. You know, you, you still hunt, you scout, you check it out, how's it looking, and you either eliminate or you stay. And it, it might be jumping deer or mm-hmm. seeing deer. And, you know, if you jump a group of six, seven does, you know, and more likely than those are going to go back, you know, especially on public, you know, those, those deer get jumped all the time. They get spooked left and right from who knows what. So, you know, does are in that area. Then you, you might back out and come back in there during the rut, you know, when a buck's going to come check that area. But, you know, you have to, you, you can't be scared to death to, to jump deer, especially on public. You know, if you jump a buck out of its bed and you know, oh, he's been here all the time, you, you might even go towards the bed and see, yeah, this is definitely a buck bed. He lays here a lot. You know, guess what? That buck got away from you, so that bed worked. You know, he's going mm-hmm. to come back. You know, he eluded the danger. That's a good point. That's a very good point. A very um, in-depth. Kind of, kind of a different, yeah, in-depth way to look at that. That's a, a very good tip. Yeah, we, yeah, you just, you know, I, me personally, like I said, I do, I am a little more aggressive. Jumping deer is not a problem for me, even the slightest. You know, I don't think that I just blew him completely out of the state, especially on public, you know. Now you're talking private, private where you got woodlot and, you know, woodlot, woodlot, woodlot scattered around. You might bump them deer to the neighbor's woodlot and they might not come back. So it's just a different game. For sure. For sure. And that's, uh, that's something I took into consideration on this new property that I, I hunted this last season is uh, the stand of hung, on, hung was in a pinch, or a, I guess a funnel, if you will, and there was a creek access point to it, and I walked through the creek every time I went to that stand, and it, it paid off for me. And that's a little stuff like entry and exit. Um, if you're a little worried about it, go in at the right wind, go in uh, low scent. Uh, creek Walking through a creek does a lot for <laughs> leaving a scent trail because uh, there isn't one. Um, it's just little stuff like that I think gets overlooked by a lot of people. And yeah. a lot of people can just break it down, look at it in a simplistic form. I think Bill Winky broke it down. He's like, if your hunt plan looks like a football play, it's too complicated. <laughs> yeah. Kurt, one of my strategies for, for hunting, say, my little piece of, of private that I think, you know, your listeners could, could, could go in on, is when I go to, to hunt my best stand, I, A, I don't touch it until – November six plus. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm staying out of my piece most of October. I may go in the last last week of October to a stand I got 50, 60 yards from the road. But when I go to my best stand that's in between two doe bedding areas, I go in an hour early 
and I stay all day. So I only have one track going in and out, you know, to my best stand, reducing that, you know, in and out traffic because, Hey, I've got to go walk, walk past a majority of my property. So I'm obviously going to educate some deer when I do that. But that first time sit, making that either an all day sit, and I don't physically stay in the stand all day. I'll get down at the base of my tree and eat a sandwich midday. I've been known to take a nap below it. But I still only have one entry and exit trail that day when I yeah. go to my best stand. That's a good tip, too, actually. I mean, you're better up being out there all day and getting down. Like what well, you said, take a little nap, eat a sandwich, do your thing. I've done the, it. I've done it. Well, yeah, then to just walk to the truck if you know you're going to go all the way right back out there anyway. Um, but, no, good tips. I think that's what we want to bring with these podcasts is – if you listen to all hundred and whatever episodes we've done and you can pick something up from each person that has, that does this or this or this, and you can put those all together to develop your perfect hunting plan for your property in your unique circumstance. That's really what we want. And yeah, it's nice. I mean, you might have all the views in the world, but just get one other guy's opinion. You'd be like, Oh, I could change that up in one way. Right. We'll yeah. a better hunt. Yeah. Like the one scent trail in, for that whole day is is a really big deal. It's key. And that is key, especially when you have a five and a half year old, six and a half year old. If you're Eric and shoot, what was your buck? Seven and a half, eight and a half. He was eight and a half. Eight and a half deer. If they don't youngster, they don't deer like that. Don't <laughs> fuck up on 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 being an idiot. They they they're that old because for a they reason. Yeah, for a reason. Yeah, because they picked up on that sort of stuff, and that's how they've eluded it. And would you kill that buck your first sit in, Eric? One of second. them. Second sit in. Second sit. Yeah, see? There again, we went around the room, and all these guys have, have talked about that first time sit just or second time sit being so effective. Um, oh, it's so I think good. That's, that's huge when you're hunting these these smaller pieces. And I also think another another tip I, I've noticed huge improvements on is is getting in that hour before first light. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, it sucks sitting there in the dark because you're not looking at anything. But that allows that gives me a little time to, to make sure I set up my, my equipment quietly. That also I've watched my neighbors come in with their headlamps and jump me and push me deer for the day. Right. And right. It, I sit there and I have a smirk on my face because I, I decided I was gonna get up an hour earlier because I want that deer on my wall. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, you know, there is stuff to look at, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter that hour before, but I mean, honestly, yeah. that's the thing. When people say, like, oh, having your cell phone in the stand's bad, I, I do agree with that 85%. Because the other 15%, that can help you get through an all-day sit oh, yeah. in the stand. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, uh, exactly. It keeps you in, it definitely keeps you in the stand longer. Anything that will keep you in the stand longer is going to make you more successful. Yeah, right. s- sitting in a new spot is the most exciting hunt that you'll ever have. Especially oh, you sure. pick up a new piece. And you hang a stand there, you have no idea what's going to happen. You know, say you talk to Ethel and she goes, oh, I see a couple of deer every once in a while. You know, just like I used to have my uh, my grandkids come out. And and she gives you that story. But then you sit in the stand and you're like, that lady couldn't tell you a a fork buck from a Pope and Young deer. And, (laughs) you know, and they're they're monsters. It, It just, you never know. I'm just saying she she doesn't know the difference between you're losing me. Dude. I'm not yeah. losing. I'm just saying <laughs> well, that well, first Steve, hunt I use, you I never use my neighbors to actually help me on my place. Yeah. I've got a guy across the street who hunts every weekend, doesn't really play the wind or plays the wind well. I've got another neighbor who they, there's two of them that hunt a 60 acre piece, and all of October they're just educating deer. They're just increasing my doe population on my little acreage piece and. 
it seems to be kind of the ticket for me, but I, I let my neighbors help me out. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like That's them. Fair. They're good guys, but I'm not going to say anything about why I don't hunt October. Right, right. Yep. I like them. They're good guys, but they're dumb. They're dumb. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully your I'm neighbors don't listen to this. Yeah, and Def Leppard <laughs> sucks. No, I just threw them underneath. I just threw them underneath the table. Sorry about that, uh, or underneath the bus, if you will. Um, it's gonna take a bus to take me down, Kurt. Do you have? I want to hit you guys with rapid fire. If you guys are cool with that, get out of here. Okay. Um, but first, I got to ask you: Is there any questions for us? Ooh, ooh, stop doing ooh. this. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, ooh, any questions? I think it would be cool if you guys took a challenge from us and maybe hunted public ground a couple of days and reported back. I've been there. I've done it, and it's it's it sucks. I will do that, man. I will do that. I uh, heard. I, I I hear you kind of the last couple episodes it, a peak of interest, and I think I think I want to I want I want you to take a step out and, and and try it and report back. I want to hear about your experience hunting public. I think well, you know. I think for public for me is I've always left my stand out there and it's always a thing when you go out there you're like the biggest thing is is my stand still going to be there. That's yep. where we use our our $25 Walmarts. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, yeah for That's, sure. I for think sure. I think I'm going to go after it, man. I I uh I'm traveling for work this summer which kind of limits me for how much scouting I can get in, but I can scout when I need to go hunt. I, I can make it work. Um I I <sighs> I gotta find some more public. There's gotta be some in our area, maybe well, south see, of us. That's the difference between me and you is I have public ground around every corner in Iowa and it's kinda terrible over here in Illinois that you guys don't have that much public ground. It is bad. But you know, I will make a point to get out there and check it out. Oh, and I will sure. hunt some yeah, this sure. year. I definitely well, will. And I think it'd be cool and uh I think it'd be even way cooler if I could kill yeah. some. During this episode I did have an idea that I'm glad you brought that up, Byron, because uh I've got an idea that me and Kurt will be involved with, and uh, Eric and you can probably have Doug Schmidt involved. And what are you we'll, doing? Because you're just an, you just I have a feeling that you're doing Iowa for Illinois, and you just volunteered me to be on your team, which I might <laughs> I not did. be cool with. <laughs> I did, I totally did, dude. I drafted you. I had first pick on the kickball team, and I picked you. What's this? what's this? Let's talk about it real and fast. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about it later. You can't spit it out there and then not. I want to leave it ominous. All right, so hey, check this out. Maybe later this year. I'm we out. do. Okay, I'm out. Kurt's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's too long. That's too long to wait for the thing. But uh, just go ahead. What is it? I had this idea that maybe we do a, um, you know, Iowa and Illinois. Like it's Kurt and Steve. You know, Team Buck McNeely. Like how we first started. Okay, <laughs> that's an inside joke for you guys who listened for a while. But maybe we film a couple hunts where me and you go scout out some public ground. I'm and not hunting with you. You're going to. No. That would be terrible. I said it on the podcast. It has to happen. If I'm hunting public ground, there's no one with me, and I'm I'm Kurt, going Kurt, straight. It's throwing, Kurt and Steve. Throwing the white flag right I'm now. White flag. That. I threw it in. I surrender. I'd rather, I, I, can't, I can't say hey, maybe. Hey, you know what? Maybe we'll make this a Twitter poll. Let's see. If if, if, right, if hey. enough people say yes, you have to do it this year. Let's get back to Byron and Dave. How yeah, well, let's is, get back to Byron and Dave. <laughs> okay. Hey, yeah. I tried, Byron. Sorry. Steve just put your if you do try the public game uh, ground, uh, you, it's it, it it's it's fun. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> You'd be surprised what some of the dicky moves will will do to you. I'll report back, man, and we'll have like I, we, we've had numerous people literally see us. We wave at them while we're in stand, and they just decide to sit down, you know, forty yards away. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. And, and hunt right there. It's just, 
Apparently, that yeah, wave means this is a good spot. Have a seat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a, there, there's a it, it it's fun. <laughs> well, boys, if I get out there and do some public ground this year, if I can find some public ground, with I can Steve, even get in yep. on without Steve. Um, I'll have you guys back on. We'll do like a. We, I can have you back on. I'm sure when I'll have a rant or maybe like an hour long rant. We can talk about. <laughs> or you guys, you'll can just... have a lot more than an hour long of ranting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let me hit you guys with some rapid fire. Let's okay. hear it. Um, I'm sure you guys are familiar, but let me hit it with you, the old spiel. Uh, quick answers. Um, as quick as you can be, if you got to explain, you can explain. We understand it, and then we'll just try and hustle through these here and see what you guys are uh, what you guys are into and uh, some opinions, and we'll just learn a little bit more about you through the rapid fire. All right. Favorite? First question is the most ah. important one. Ah, Kurt, you know I had to do it. God damn it, go. <laughs> Who is your guys's? Favorite pro wrestler? Ray Mysterio Jr. Oh, my man. 619. <laughs> booyaka, booyaka. I think I'll have to go with uh, Kane. Kane, he is running for mayor of a town in uh, Tennessee, <laughs> Kentucky. You guys have read about that. That dude is an intelligent dude. He's libertarian, too. Why do you know this? I don't. That's what I was just trying to figure out. I didn't don't. keep up with him through the years. I'm sorry. Yeah, he le- he is legitimately right <laughs> oh, now hi. running for mayor of a. T- well, it depends on when this episode is. Kane could be the mayor. That's Undertaker's. Bad. All right, brother. next question. Next. My question. vote's looking pretty good. <laughs> Favorite camo pattern. Ooh, I gotta go. Catalyst performance myself. <laughs> that is a. Uh, it's kind of a, a little teaser. This is public ground, guys. Guys. Pay attention. All right, all right. You, you guys can both go. Yeah, I'm. I'm, the, I'm uh, anything open pattern, and you know, and realistically, I don't. It came was not a huge thing for me. I just sometimes I just wear solid shirts and plaid vest and whatnot. Solid. Oh, solid. throwback camo. Love it. Favorite movie. Ooh, I'm gonna go Gladiator. Great movie. All right. Put me in a tight spot. Uh. Sandlot? The Sandlot? Sandlot's a good movie. <laughs> a okay. There's no way both of your favorite movies are The Gladiator. <laughs> Last song you played? Last song I played. Friends in Low Places was my last karaoke jam. Does that count? Garth Brooks. Oh, that counts. All right, all right. Dave? <laughs> uh, Bad Company, Five Finger Death Punch. All right. Oh, the cover. Ooh. Love that song. Favorite or uh, Favorite band? I got a weird one here. You wouldn't guess this. Um, I'm gonna go with Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yeah. Oh, yeah, East yes. 1999. All right, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's the I'm first gonna go. Of Justin Moore is my favorite artist. All right, nice, nice. Hey, didn't you guys meet Justin Moore? No, I did not meet Justin Moore. I thought you guys did. Uh, where are we at? Uh, oh, geez. Fa- last song. Oh, I did the last song. Yep. Favorite outdoor magazine. Ooh. Uh, North American Whitetail for me. Uh, I'll go traditional bow hunter. Favorite bow brand? Oh, that's got to be New Breed Archery, our sponsor. Very nice, very nice. Second favorite bow brand? You don't have to answer. You can you can pass. No, we're, we're, we're real people. Well, my the, the recurve I shoot's a Hoyt. It's a Hoyt Buffalo. I'm not really a fan of their compounds, but I'll just go. I'll go, I'll go with Hoyt, I guess, since that's the recurve I shoot. <laughs> Uh, I was a former Matthews guy. All right, all right. Um, where are we at? Backstrap or jerky? Backstrap. Backstrap. Favorite outdoor-related show? Oh, Whitetail Adrenaline. 
Ooh. Yeah, definitely. That, definitely I, the same. I, I put my I, neck I like out to, there, and I said yeah, that there is... Go ahead. Of, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep jumping in. No, that's all right. Go ahead. I've listened to, I've listened to a lot of Jared Sheffler stuff, you know, as well as uh, Infault, Dan Infault, and they're they're pretty big uh, motivators in a lot of the ways I hunt, I guess. Yeah, I uh, went ahead and said earlier, I don't know, several episodes ago, that I think that Jared's uh, recent release of Whitetail Adrenaline is maybe the best Whitetail hunting DVD ever released. It's a bold statement. I believe, yeah. I believe it, though. Um, favorite, and we asked this not to be self-serving. We're talking about any podcast, hunting or not. Favorite podcast. Ooh, favorite overall podcast. I think it's got to be you guys for my morning show. Like, I I also like some other. Hmm. I I got a I got a three way tie. I'm not gonna lie. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Let's let's and, share the wealth because our goal here with this is like podcasting should be a thing. Like everyone should have a podcast they listen to, like a radio show. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're oh, only yeah. an hour a week. You got tons of time to listen. So yeah, working class bow hunters up there. Wired to hunt with Mark Kenyon. I, I like him, and I like uh, I like his co-host uh, Dan Johnson on the Nine Finger Chronicles. Um, the, the combination of you three it makes my workday so much easier. We appreciate that. Well, you yeah, six, absolutely. but thank you. And we we understand that Nine Finger Chronicles is not far from us. I don't know for sure. I think it's in Mount Pleasant, which is like an hour and a half yeah. away from us. Is Mount Pleasant an hour and a half away? It's not too far away. We'll have to get. We'll have to that. connect with him. Link up. If he wants to, maybe not. Yeah, well, I'll have to go with. Uh, uh, I mean, I, those are only three podcasts I've ever listened to because those are the three ones that Byron told me to listen to. So, <laughs> but I'll I'll go with you guys definitely for what you stand for with the uh, working class bow hunter because I mean that's definitely what we are. You know, we we you know we like to call them weekend warriors, but realistically, I hunt mainly weekends because I work all week. Hey, there you so, go. Absolutely. Well, we but I guess that. I'm a weekend warrior too. Well, yeah, you guys better check out the Monday morning podcast by Bill Burr because fantastic podcast i'm also a big fan of fighter and the kid podcast oh love um, it. so just some some podcasts to check out but thanks for the kind words guys we appreciate um, it we'll say this from the three of us which host is your favorite host oh here you go oh uh, kurt you're my voice of reason half the time is why i send you messages and texts oh sweet <laughs> jesus thanks buddy uh i guess uh I'm gonna go with Steve because I like to drink some beer. My man, <laughs> oh, this guy, this guy gets it. Yeah, it hasn't happened in a while. Steve hasn't got any points in recent episodes. Oh, yeah, because yeah. because I, I, I tied recently. I think. Yeah, because Kurt's been hand picking who's getting on. No, nah, he likes you too much. In case we, I also that. think Mark Reif deserves a point. Oh, dude, oh, money yeah. bags. Hey, we are sorry he's absent <laughs> right now. We are sorry he's got children. <laughs> uh, where are we at here? Morning or afternoon hunts? Morning. Oh, uh, yeah, morning. Typical deer or non-typical deer? Ooh. I don't have any non-typicals on the wall yet. <laughs> well, it is Ohio. Uh, yeah, I'll go with non-typical. We know this one. Hang on or ladder stands. <laughs> <laughs> hang on all day. Yeah, hang on. You kill a 200-inch non-typical October 1st. In Illinois. You go back to celebrate. Are you drinking beer or liquor? Oh, Beer. Yeah, beer. I don't really drink too much liquor. <laughs> uh, what's your guys' dream hunt? Ooh. <laughs> Ultimate dream hunt? Probably, I'm, I'm going on an elk hunt this year, and that that's 
that's really top of my list right now. Elk in the Rockies. Awesome, man. Good luck to you. Yeah, no, I think I'd like to get up close and personal with a moose. I agree, man. I agree. Uh, top two. Those are some good dream hunts right mm, there, man. Absolutely. Um, what's your favorite restaurant? Timmy's. Ooh. Tim Hortons. <laughs> we got a small Greek place near me called Yanni's that, that makes a pretty good euro. That, that gets my vote. All right. Also cost efficient. I'm down with the cause. Oh, I'm, I think I'm just going to go basic with uh, Roosters. It's a it's a wing place. I'm not sure if they're only an Ohio thing or not. Is that in Columbus? Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to write that down here. Yeah, because um, you're going to be in Columbus. Yeah, I'll be in yeah, Columbus go, this go weekend. Yeah, go to Roosters. Roosters wings. There's a, there's a few of them around. Okay, we'll we'll have a conversation right after the episode, so don't hang up on us. So I'll be in there. I'll be there yeah. this weekend in your guys' neighborhood. Um, oh yeah, sweet. Favorite tree stand snack? Roosters. <laughs> <laughs> Timbits. I I gotta go PB and J myself. Original. I've never drank that beer, but all right. I would lie if I say I didn't bring a McDouble in the tree stand with me. (laughs) (laughs) You're talking Steve's language now. I'm feeling it. Superhero power. You got to pick one. Ooh. Invisibility so I could kill more deer. Oh, but they're going to smell you. (laughs) (laughs) I got to go with, oh, man, he took mine. I guess speed. I would be like the Flash, super speed. Oh, like, yeah, that's oh so you could just jump on deer. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I can travel to hunting ground a lot quicker, that's for sure. <laughs> Wake up four minutes before the sunrise. Yeah, I love it. Fixed or mechanical broadheads? All fixed. Yeah, fixed. Face paint, face mask, or neither? Face paint, but Dave will tell me I suck at doing it. Yeah, he's terrible, but yeah, face paint. Okay, um, fill in the blank. During hunting season, my wife and or girlfriend, <laughs> blank. Wait, you put... Are, are I, a second priority. <laughs> okay. That was by design, Steve. Calm her down. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. Um, I'll say is is probably enjoying some alone time. <laughs> Other men. <laughs> oh. Yeah, which, which one... <laughs> I love that. <laughs> all all of my tree stands are blank. It's a tough one. <laughs> Set and cover. Ooh. Well thought. Um not normally where I want them to be. <laughs> I like that. During the off season, my favorite thing to do is blank. Shed hunt and scout. Um, fish, drink beer, play cornhole. Awesome, man! This, this Sometimes guy's all cool. three at the same time, if 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 optimal. <laughs> this guy would uh, you would thrive in Iowa, man. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, when yeah. I'm bored in the tree stand, I like to blank, play cornhole. <laughs> <laughs> Social media. That's oh, there my you game. go. Oh, I'd say uh, I'd say to, to kind of joke around with uh, with with your buddy if they're there filming. We just started this filming stuff, and having a having a buddy in the tree stand with you is it's it makes it a lot more enjoyable. You can you know joke around and stuff. For sure, for sure. All good answers, guys. Um, I think this episode you provided our listeners with a lot a lot of takeaways from this. Um, I appreciate you guys coming on the show 
and uh, I appreciate you guys listening to our show mm-hmm. um, and, and just being supporters in general. And uh, Byron, for sure, like me and Eric walked around at ATA and you were like, Eric, Kurt, and yeah. you stop and talk to us, man. <laughs> that goes a long way with us, and Absolutely. it just shows how real you are, and, and just I'll support anything you guys do. If you guys ever need anything, you just let us know. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys having us on, and, and great opportunity for us and our brand, and uh, great to connect with you guys again. For sure. We'll definitely yeah. do it again, man. We'll have we'll have to do a before hunting season check-in uh, if we can both find the time to make that work. If not, we'll check in after season or in the middle of it, whatever we can make happen. So uh, best of luck to you guys. And go ahead, plug where people can find you and uh, maybe give a, a sneak peek of what you guys got coming coming next. Yeah, as far as where to find us, you can find us on Instagram, uh, at whitetail underscore experience. Uh, Facebook, the Whitetail Experience, it'll pop up. Same thing with our YouTube page. We got a black, orange, and white logo, so it's pretty easy to know that's us. Um, as far as future plans for us, um, we should have a couple tactic, uh, videos coming out on the YouTube page here in the next week. By the time this airs, it'll definitely be up, if not multiple. And then I actually have the elk trip planned, and I'm going to hunt some public ground early and, and try and produce a nice short film on that. So, Uh, Those are kind of the things in the works. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. This episode will be a featured podcast episode on workingclassbowhunter.com. Go to workingclassbowhunter.com, click on the featured episodes tab, and this one, if depends if you listen to this right when it's released, it'll be on the top. If not, scroll down a little bit, click, and you'll find video links and photos and and links to their social media and all all the goods. Exclusive content is the word you're looking for. You're right, my friend. You are right, my friend. First thing I've got right on this podcast. That's right. Um, But thanks again, guys. We really appreciate you. Eric, Steve, you got anything? Nope, just thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it. All right. Yeah, thanks for having us. Stick around on the phone, guys. Uh, To our listeners, we love you. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, We appreciate everything you do for us, everything on social media. Listen to every episode. Um, I can't believe you're not sick and tired of us. Um, But, hey, you know what to do. Stick in there. Go shoot your bow. We love you. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.